Lord God, Father, we thank You this morning that You are a strong foundation. That though things happen around us and things happen in our life, that we can hold firm in You, Lord God. Thank You for the opportunity to be reminded of that and to sing of that this morning. I pray that You would calm our hearts and minds this morning and help us to focus on Your Word as, as we dig into it, that You would teach us and instruct us, guide my words as I speak, that I'd be able to clearly communicate Your truth today. And we pray for our kids as well, that they'd be able to hear Your truth and Your Word and apply it to their life and their classes in the back. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good to be with you and share with you this morning. Uh, we're continuing in our study of Galatians this morning. We're up to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, in the, the title for this morning, I don't know, it's not up there yet. Uh, hey, now it is. The, the title for this morning is, is Gospel Freedom. And uh, we didn't plan this out, but it's kind of cool that uh, we get to talk about freedom and liberty on Veterans Day weekend. Um, but we're not going to be talking necessarily about patriotic, uh, national freedom and liberty, but, but spiritual freedom that Jesus brings to us in our life and, and what that means for us. And it, it's cool as well, I get the privilege this morning of, of talking a little bit about the, the verse uh, from which the, the people that founded and, and started our church here uh, got our church's name from. Uh, we get to talk this morning a little bit about the verse where uh, liberty grace comes from. And just for your information, the, the grace part of our name uh, comes from, first of all, that, that we really value grace uh, as a, a Christian principle and, and as something we get to experience in our life through Jesus Christ. And we've talked about that a lot in Galatians, just Jesus' grace and what that means for us. Uh, that grace part also comes from, uh, we're part of the, the Grace Brethren Fellowship, uh, which just recently changed their name to the Karis Fellowship, which Karis is Greek for grace. And uh, you can talk to Doug or I about that more if you want to know more about that. But, but we are part of a, a bigger organization that's a, a national and an international organization of, of churches. Uh, that, and we get our, our grace part of our name from that. Uh, but the, the part that's specific to us is, is that liberty part. And that's the part that the, the people, the men and women who started this church, and, and some of them are still around. I wasn't here uh, when Liberty started. I, I was alive, but I wasn't here. Uh, and so I, I don't know the whole story of why they chose Liberty. Uh, I know they, they didn't necessarily do it to be patriotic, uh, though I, I love America, and so if people think I'm patriotic because uh, I go to Liberty Grace, I'm okay with that. Uh, but... That's not necessarily why they picked it. They picked it because of Galatians 5, verse 13. And so go ahead and open up to there. If you have version, you can pull it up on version. And uh, if you'll notice on version, uh, I actually put the King James version of Galatians 5, 13 on version. Uh, if you're reading from another version, you're probably not going to see liberty in the verse. You're probably going to see freedom. Um, but uh, I wanted to just read for you or, or let you see it if you have you version uh, where it does say liberty in the King James Version. Galatians 5.13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. And so Paul says that, that we're called as Christians, a characteristic of us as Christians is that we have 
liberty. We have a, a Christian freedom. And Paul says this is an important characteristic of your life as a Christian. And the, and the people that started our church here thought that it, that was an important principle for their life and for our life today that we understand our, our Christian liberty and our Christian freedom. And so as we look through Galatians 5 some today, Paul is going to outline for us why is Christian freedom important? What is it? How do we preserve in it? How do we stay in our Christian freedom? So go ahead back up to verse 1 of Galatians 5. Galatians 5 verse 1. And uh, I'm not going to stay in the King James Version. I'm going to go back to the, the ESV version, which is the version I usually uh, study from and speak from. And uh, just a, a quick note, maybe a, a good time to, to make a note of this and, and remind you, there are a, a number of different translations of the Bible. Uh, if you remember, the Bible was originally written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, not all at the same time, different sections in different languages, but uh, it was originally written in those languages and then has been translated to English for us, uh, which is pretty helpful because I, I don't know Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, and you probably don't either, so it's good that it's translated into English for us, and there's a number of different translations, and there's a lot of them that are, are very, very good. Uh, there's a, a few that are not very good, uh, but there's a lot that are very, very good, and um, again, if you want more information on this, talk to Doug, talk to myself, but I'll just sum up my thoughts with this today. If, if you were to ask me what translation should I read, I would tell you, excluding those bad translations, you should read whatever translation you're actually going to read and understand. I prefer the ESV. Doug likes to use the NIV a lot, but whatever translation you will actually read and understand, that, that's the one you should use. Because it's important that you read and understand it. Galatians 5, verse 1. Paul writes there, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In Galatians 5 here, Paul is going to go back again and restate his main theme and his main point from the, the book of Galatians, this whole letter of Galatians. It's all about the Gospel. That Jesus died for our sins. He's died to forgive us, to make us right with God. That He's done all the work. And that that creates for us freedom. That we're no longer slaves. We're not slaves to our, our sin to be led by our sinful passions. And we're not slaves to the law, to have to follow laws and rules and rituals to earn our way to God. That the Gospel is important, God's grace is important because it, it's freed us from those things. And Paul restates that again and, and some of what I'm going to talk about this morning kind of restates some stuff we learned earlier. Uh, but when I was in college, I took some education classes uh, and one of the things I learned in my education classes, and maybe you teachers in here can back me up on this, one of the things I, I learned was that if you want somebody to get something, if you want to really get across a point in your lesson, you have to repeat it at least three times. And probably if it's a guy, four or five times before we get it. Sometimes we can be a little slow. 
Right? But in the education class, they said repeat it three times. And so Paul again and again and again says, this is so important that you understand the Gospel that I'm going to keep repeating it for you until you get it. Maybe in Hebrew school he had that education class that I had. I don't know. But he repeats again this main point that we've been set free by Jesus through the Gospel from slavery to sin and from slavery to law and our own works righteousness, our own works getting us to God. But what really stuck out to me in this verse, in verse 1, is that he says, stand firm. It's not just that in a moment we, we come to Christ and we have this freedom and then that's it. He says that we have to stand firm in our freedom. That even if we, we believe full-heartedly and full-heartedly put our faith in Jesus, there's still going to be this draw for us to go back into slavery, to go back to, to sin, or to go back to slavery, to works, and law and rules. And I'm not talking this morning, Paul's not talking about losing your salvation. This isn't about losing your right standing with God. This is about just practically as you live it out, we've been called to freedom, but it's easy for us, for our nature to pull us away from that freedom and to pull us back into either selfishness and sin or pull us back into law and rules. And Paul's going to break that down a little bit more for us as we go on in Galatians chapter 5 here. Go to verse 2. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. But the Paul says that we, can, we need to stand firm because we can slip away from our freedom because we can be tempted to add our work to Jesus' work. To go back to laws and rules rather than staying focused on Jesus' completed work and living in gratitude for Him. We can practically speaking slip back into works and making rules of more importance than our focus and our gratitude and our love for Jesus. And Paul again brings up the idea of circumcision and says if you're going to accept circumcision, if you're going to put that rule on you, then in a way you've turned away from Jesus and you've turned back to trying to earn your way to God. Remember what was happening in Galatia at this time. These Galatian people were coming to put their faith in Jesus. They were becoming Christians. But then there's these Judaizers who are coming along and saying, that's awesome that you believe in Jesus. But if you really want to earn God's favor, then you need to be circumcised. And you need to follow these festivals. And you need to stop eating bacon and follow these other rules as well. Right? I don't know that many of us could abide by that not eating bacon one. Right? 
But these Judaizers are coming in and saying that that's awesome that you believe in Jesus, but if you really want God's favor, if you really want to be a Christian, you got to do all this other stuff as well. And that same temptation is there for us today. That we believe that we're saved by grace through faith, but practically it's easy for us to get caught back up in works feeling like i got to do something to make God like me a little bit more. To make me a little more acceptable to God. And really, it's our sinful pride that does that. It's hard for us to just accept grace. A couple of years ago, we took the teens one spring and we went around the neighborhood here. And we were raking gravel out of people's yards. You know how in the spring the road gravel gets in your yard and you got to rake it back out. So we just went around the neighborhood to, to rake gravel out of people's yards. Just do something nice for the people in our, our neighborhood here. And uh, we didn't really go and knock and ask. We just kind of went and started raking it out and doing it. And it, we had some people who didn't even notice till after we were gone, but but we had a number of people that offered us money, pretty much just tried to shove it in our hands, like take some money for doing this. And we're like, no, no, we're just, we just want to show you some love and show you some of Jesus' love, do something nice for you. And they're like, no, 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 take some money, take some money. It's hard for people to accept grace. We had one house, we raked the gravel out of their yard. A couple minutes later, we looked back and they're out there on the road like, Brushing the gravel back into their yard. I, I don't know. It's hard for us to accept grace sometimes. And so it's easy for us, even though we say we, we believe wholeheartedly that we're saved by grace through faith, sometimes we get caught up in, but I, I still want to do something to earn God's favor. I, I still need to do something to feel like I have a part in this. And Paul says, You're not standing firm in your freedom if you do that. We're slipping back into works righteousness, into earning our own way. And and Paul says the antidote for this is that we look to the hope that Jesus brings us. We look to the work that He's done for us. And when we look at that, it it builds gratitude in us for who Jesus is and for what Jesus has done. And, And as we love Jesus then we don't work to be accepted by Him. But when we love Jesus, we start to become like the One we love. When we look to Jesus and admire who Jesus is and what He's done for us, then that makes us desire to be like Him. Not to be accepted, but because we love Him and we want to be like the One we love. Let me give you an illustration in my life for how easy it is to slip from that freedom back into works and back into law. Uh, I grew up in a a very conservative area. If you didn't know, I didn't grow up in Johnstown. I grew up in in Blair County. And and I grew up in a very conservative uh, area, a very conservative community. Uh, Ryan Tabeck, who some of you guys may know, he likes to joke around and say that the hometown I grew up in, he calls it Mayberry like from the Andy Griffith show, the quaint little town. It's just a, a very conservative area. And I, I grew up in an awesome church that uh, taught and preached grace through faith, and, and I totally 100% believe 
that it was by grace through faith that I was saved, but because the area was so conservative, because the culture within the church was so conservative, I had a very narrow view of what it looked like to live as a Christian. What it looked like to follow Jesus. And even though it wasn't taught, even though grace was taught, and I believed grace, there was this kind of implied thing in the culture that you have to follow these conservative rules and standards. And let me backtrack for a minute. When I say conservative, I'm not talking Democrat, Republican. Hopefully you, you followed there. I'm talking like morals and lifestyle conservatives. Um, <clears throat> but when, there was just this implied thing that this is what you have to do to be a Christian. And it started to become, at times, more about those little outward things than really that relationship and that love for Jesus. It wasn't until I got older and I got out of that bubble that I start to look around at some people and I'm like, man, I know that dude loves Jesus, but he's drinking a beer. Can you do that? Is that possible? I heard that dude say a swear word the other day. We should kick him out of the church. You can't say that and be a Christian. And I'm not advocating drunkenness. I'm not advocating bad language in any way. Uh, I'm just trying to illustrate that it became more about those particulars than really a, a heart that loves God and lives in gratitude and, and desires to be like the one it loves. And it's easy for us to slip into that and make it about those little outward things and, and those rules rather than continuing to focus on Jesus and say, man, I, I love Jesus more and more because I see more and more what He's done for me and I want to do that because that's that's awesome what He's done for me. And so we, can, we need to stand firm in our freedom, looking to Jesus and His work. Paul says there's a second way we can slip away from our freedom that he talks about in this passage. Jump down to verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We need to stand firm in our freedom because there's always a temptation for us to slip back into sinful selfishness which ultimately destroys others rather than looking to others with compassion and love. There's always going to be that draw in us to slip back into selfishness of sin. See, Paul was a really smart dude and he understood something. That if you get that it's all by Jesus' work that you're made right with God and that you don't need to do anything other than trust Jesus' work, that that takes a weight of responsibility off you to make yourself acceptable to God, which is an awesome thing, but it also takes that weight off you that sometimes can hold you in check. You don't have that weight that I have to impress God. That gives you freedom, which is awesome, but that also gives you freedom that can be an opportunity for your sinfulness to say, now I can do whatever I want. And to kind of illustrate this, you've married people will hopefully follow this. But if you're married, think back to when you were dating your spouse. 
There was a pressure to impress and to woo that potential spouse. Right? So every time you saw them and you were with them, you, you were looking your best. You were on your A game. Right? You, you were doing all that you could for them because you got to impress them. You, you have to woo them. You have to win their favor and make them yours. And then you got married. And in a way, some of that pressure to impress and woo them is off because they're yours now. You're locked in. And so it's easy then to, to kind of slack off and to not always be on your A game and that selfishness starts to creep back in. Uh, I remember talking to some friends one time and uh, the wife uh, was telling us that she remembered her, her wedding and, and it, it was awesome. It was, it was an awesome wedding and she's so excited about being married and this is going to be awesome and they go away uh, on their honeymoon and, and she's like, man, this is awesome. Marriage is going to be great. And she said she woke up the next morning in the hotel and looked over and her husband's sitting there in his whitey tighties reading the sports section. And she's like, what did I get myself into? The pressure to impress was off for my buddy. But thankfully for him and hopefully for us as well, in our marriages, we learn that maybe that pressure to woo them and impress them isn't there as much anymore, but that's replaced by a deep love for the other person. That we start to serve and to fend off our selfishness because we really love and care about them and want what's best for them. We don't necessarily need to win their favor anymore as much as we just want to serve them and love them and see good for them. And I think that illustrates well what Paul is seeing and talking about in this passage. There's not that pressure that we have to impress God and earn His favor anymore. But as we learn to love God, as we learn to look at other people around us with compassion, we don't have to impress God, but, but we want to serve because we want good for the people around us. And we want to please and honor the One that we love. It's actually a, a deeper motivation than just trying to impress and earn favor. It's, it's that I actually care about this other person. I actually love the other and want to see good for them. I don't have to come to church and be around a bunch of people. I don't have to go help my neighbor. But if I actually look at my neighbor and have compassion for him, I'm going to want to be here together to build up other believers. I'm going to want to go and serve my neighbor to help them and to seek good for them. It's easy for us not to stand firm in our freedom to slip back into selfishness and slavery to sin unless we continue to look around us with compassion for people around us and build compassion and love for others. And so Paul again challenges us. Are, are, are you standing firm in your freedom? Or are we slipping back into laws and rules and those little things instead of love and gratitude for Jesus? Or are we slipping back into sinful selfishness? I don't have to do these good things 
And so I'm just going to do whatever I want. Or are we saying, because I really love God and I really love and care about the people around me, I'm going to serve and I'm going to do good. And Paul leaves us with one final verse in this section and one final warning. If we do not stand firm in our freedom, look at what verse 15 says. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. If we don't stand firm in our Christian freedom, then we're going to start to bite and devour and destroy one another and eventually destroy ourselves as well. Because when we fall back into slavery to, to laws and rules, then we become judgmental, condescending, and competitive. And you maybe know some Christians that are that way. Right? We want to judge others. We want to put others down. We want to compete with others because it's about my works. And, and so if it's about my works, I've got to put you down so I can get up a little higher. And when we slip from our freedom back into law, that's what happens. That's where our attitude goes. But when we look to Jesus and say, Jesus did the work already, it doesn't matter if I'm doing more or less than that other person because Jesus already did the work and I love Him and I'm grateful for Him and I want to be like the one I love, then we can start to lift others up. Because I want them to have what I have. I don't have to put them down so I can get ahead. If we start to slip from our freedom back into to selfishness and, and that type of sin, then we become rude and neglectful and abusive. Because it's about me. This is what I can do. This is what I get to do. And we start to push other people away and hurt other people because they're infringing on what I get to do. But when we actually stand in our freedom and, and look at them, with love and compassion, then we start to see I have the freedom that I don't have to do this, that I can do this other thing, but, but man, I, I want to do this for them because I care about them, because I love them. And so my, my challenge for you today is what we started with. You've been called to liberty. You've been called to freedom in Jesus. And that's an awesome thing. We don't have to earn our way to God. We can fight and, and overcome sin and selfishness. But we have to stand firm in it to do that. We have to seek to look to Jesus and be grateful for what He did and love Him. Be like the one we love. And, and we have to look at others around us and keep our eyes and our hearts open to them and and see them with compassion to drive us to sometimes surrender our freedom to serve somebody else. Let me pray for us. Lord God, Father, we thank You for this morning. We thank You for <clears throat> this time in Your Word. We thank You for the freedom uh, that You've uh, bought for us with Your blood. That You've set us free from the law and You've set us free from sin, Lord God. And, and help us to live in that freedom to to enjoy that, the blessing that that is. And let that freedom in your work and your love and our love for others drive us then to serve and to honor you. Not because we have to, but because you know, we really want to. 
And I, I just pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.